it's definitely not about just telling people to vote. It's about helping people through the process. So help them register, send them websites that will help them register easily and then help make a voting plan. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Thursday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and I'm really excited to bring you a second episode this week and one that I feel is really timely. On the podcast today is Erin Geiger-Smith. She's a journalist and author of Thank You for Voting. And Thank You for Voting is a really concise, lively look at the past, present, and future of voting. I really believe that voting is a non-partisan issue. Everyone should be able to vote. Everyone should have access to voting. And it shouldn't be this long, complicated process. And I also feel that there's a lot of joy that can come from voting and being involved, this level of civic engagement. And so I was so excited to sit down with Erin to have this conversation. We really chat all about her new book, Thank You for Voting, how it began as a research project and why education is so important and how we can really use it to increase voter turnout. We talk about how we can help our friends, family, and coworkers get out and vote, why it's so important to understand the voter registration process in your state and the role of voter suppression. Plus, Erin shares how we can create a voting plan, what to expect when you vote by mail this year, if that's how you choose to vote, how we can make voting fun and and more joyful, and really just so much more. We have about 32 days before the election, and I felt it was really important to share an episode and also share resources every week in our newsletter that really highlight organizations and people that are working to increase voter turnout and civic engagement in this year's election and beyond. I'm really such a believer that our vote is our voice for change. And so I really was excited to sit down with Aaron to have this conversation. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think. This episode doesn't tell you how to vote or who to vote for. It's really about bringing awareness to the process of voting and why it's so important and how we can make it fun and joyful. And you'll hear Aaron and I talk about that too throughout the episode. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think. Make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. If you're listening on Spotify, hit follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe. While you're there, leave us a five-star rating and review. A rating and review really helps the podcast get seen by new people and shares with them what the show is all about. So make sure to take a screenshot of that review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com and I'll send you a little something something to say thank you. Last thing before we go, on Saturday in just a few days, I am celebrating the three-year anniversary of Seek the Joy podcast on Zoom and I would love it for you to join. You can RSVP at the link in our show notes or send me an email and I'll make sure that you're on the list. 
Really, whether you're a seasoned voter or a first-time voter, I think this conversation is definitely for you. Erin and her book, Thank You for Voting, offer hope, and you can hear that sense of hope, optimism, and energy in today's episode. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Erin Geiger-Smith, author of Thank You for Voting. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. You are a journalist and the author of Thank You for Voting. I feel like in the next, I don't know, 40 something days, I'm going to be telling people all the time, thank you for voting. Um, exactly. <laughs> what inspired you to write the book? How, how did you get started? Sure. Um, so after 2016, that election just had a lot of questions that came out of it, I felt like. There mm-hmm. were questions about how the Electoral College works, questions about what went wrong with polling. There were, you know, or if anything did, questions um, about how the news media covered it. And as part of the news media, I just wanted to have a better understanding of the election process in general. I, I went to law school and I sometimes covered voting-related cases as a legal reporter. So I felt like I had a lot of background knowledge and still had a lot of questions. So as I was trying to figure out um, how to write more in that area, because I am a reporter, but I was at that time um, covering entrepreneurs and consumer reading habits and all sorts of really fun things, to be honest. Um, But it wasn't directly, you know, on the topic of politics. So I wanted to see how I could use what I knew to bring a little clarity to myself and then hopefully at the same time others. And this actually started as a research project for the author Ann Patchett, who wrote Belcanto and Commonwealth and many other wonderful books. Mm. Um, she was initially working on a, on a book about women and voting. And I sort of just cold called her. I knew she was working on that book and asked if she would like some help because it sounded like a great project. And I love to research. And, you know, I said, I can conduct some background interviews for you. It just seemed like a good side project to kind of feed this side of me that wanted to learn a lot more. Yeah, I became just obsessed with the project. What was supposed to be a side project took over um, on my own, not on Anne at all, on me, just foregoing my other articles that I should have been pitching to just dive more and more into the research. And so eventually with Anne's uh, total blessing, it became a book that I wrote and pitched about voting because what stood out to me in the research more than anything was how low our voter turnout is in this Mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it was something we need to do a lot better about. And so I wanted to learn why people aren't voting, how we could do better about that. And so that's it. That's how it came about. It started as a research project, became a little bit of a lot more. Yeah. Um, And then that became this book. And then we did, there's a young readers edition too. So this book and a, and a book for young people to hopefully be part of solving the problem of of getting young people to vote as soon as they turn 18. Yeah. I I hope your story serves as inspiration for others because it's totally inspiring to me. You just reached out to Anne and and just cold pitched yourself to be a research assistant. Oh my God, I love it. I should say I do. um, I'm a person who recommends going for it, but you do need to have, you know, I reached out to her because I have a particular background and I had been writing a lot of books, stories for the Wall Street Journal um, about the book business 
what bookstores were doing to increase people walking through their doors and things like that. So I emailed her publicist first because Mm -hmm. it wasn't such a crazy thing to be emailing your publicist because I'd kind of been writing in that world. So um, go for it in whatever you want to do. Just try to get yourself in the position to have your email read. Maybe, maybe that's the best. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said too, about how you were learning so much through the research of this, of this book. I have found with every election that I've participated in since I was 18. So that's 11 years now. um, I learned more about our election system, about the electoral college, about voter turnout, about voter suppression. I learned more with every election. And I'm curious, do you have any advice for anybody who maybe wants to learn more, who it may be they're a first time voter or a long time voter, but they're still confused or overwhelmed. Maybe I think overwhelmed is the best word um, by our system, by voting. Yeah. Any advice based upon maybe the work that you've done with your book or your research or or even your own experiences? Yeah. I think number one, I think it's completely understandable to feel overwhelmed, especially if you're a younger voter. It's a lot of information. The laws change regularly. Um, And even if you vote all the time, you may not be up to date with exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that just, especially in this election has caused a lot of confusion. I mean, it was one of the reasons, honestly, that I wanted to make the book really easy to read and really accessible. I talk about things, I break them down in as clear a way as I can, because I think they can be so confusing and that no one should be embarrassed about not knowing. I mean, that's the top thing is don't be embarrassed. There's a lot to learn. So I think one of the best ways is to understand maybe the registration process in your state and how it differs from other states, because that can give you a good idea about how different state to state our election procedures are. Mm -hmm. And those procedures can really help you understand why turnout is better in some states than others. If you can wrap your mind around that, we're just, it's not one voting process it's 50 states voting processes. Yeah. And so that's how it can be so confusing. If you are interested in really like whatever hot button topics are happening in your state's voting world right then, you can Google League of Women Voters, your state and lawsuit, and it'll tell you what they're working on and what they're working to change. Um, and there's so, you know, there's more than 700 League of Women Voters statute, uh, statutes. Um, there should be that many statues, um, chapters in the country. (laughs) And so following along with what they're doing can really help keep you up to date. Um, you know, that's one good way. I know that's a really long answer and it's because there are so many issues Mm -hmm. that it can be kind of hard. So maybe think about what part of the voting process you want to learn about first, whether it's registration, whether it's current suppression issues, whether it's the electoral college, Break those down by finding current news articles or historical articles that kind of give you bigger context. It's so hard to tackle voting. I mean, it, it took mm-hmm. me 18 months to, um, to research and, and really write this book because there's so much out there. There's so much. And I, I think everything continues to change. I mean, this time last year, we would have never thought that mail-in ballots, vote by mail would be 
like would be the thing that we're talking maybe the most about because most yeah, of the time absolutely. we vote in person. So I think yeah. it's a testament to how the voting process will shift and change also as a direct result of what's actually happening in the country or in your state. Um, so even if you learned, you know, an aspect of it, it could change. Right. That's one thing about vote by mail. Number one, I hope we can sort of see it as an opportunity to bring state laws more in line with each other. Mm -hmm. And it also is a really great example of how different things are state to state. Because what I realized when this first started happening was how few people knew that five states vote already almost completely by mail. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it, it just, it isn't a new thing. It's a thing that's been happening for election after election and they've learned how to do it and they do it right and well. But if you didn't live in those states, you had no reason to know that. And so vote by mail sounded, you know, maybe new and scary. Um, so that's why it's sort of a benefit for kind of trying to have a good idea of what's available state to state because then it can make changes maybe less scary. Yeah. You know, Colorado's been voting by mail for, I believe, almost a decade now, Oregon for longer than that. Um, so it, it isn't new. It was just new to a lot of people and it involved a whole lot of catching up explanation and, and education wise. I, I had to like literally stop the presses to get more <laughs> vote by mail in the book because as soon as um, the pandemic really started, it was immediately obvious there were going to be a lot more questions. So I tried to as quickly as I could. I had some in there, but you know, as you, as you said, it wasn't predictable that it was going to be yeah. the biggest topic of 2020. Yeah. And I've recently read a lot about different mistakes that people could make with their mail-in ballots. Sure. So I think even now educating ourselves on the best practices of what to do when you receive that ballot, how to fill it out, sign it, put it in the proper envelope. I mean, that's brand new information to me too. Yeah, absolutely. And it is so important to really follow the directions. It's kind of, you want to both educate and calm people down. Yeah. If you follow the directions specifically, make sure you turn it in on time. It should be fine. And many states let you track your ballot like a UPS package. So you know when yeah. it arrives, um, when it's been you know checked to make sure you did all the right things. And then even when it's been counted. So um knowing that those processes are available, I think can really calm some people's minds, but yeah. it is very important to follow all the directions, follow them specifically. Yeah. I think that's a really good point and, and something so many of us are going to be, I think, on the lookout for as we start to receive those mail-in ballots, mm -hmm. probably by the time that this, this podcast airs. I'm curious though, through your, your research and through your work, why do you think so many Americans don't vote? I wish that there were just one overarching reason. What gets people to vote are a million different reasons. Mm -hmm. And then the reasons that people may not show up are a million different reasons. What I kind of try to focus on is what we could do about it. Yeah. And I've, my takeaway, especially for young people, so people ages 18 to 29 have the lowest turnout rate always. And it actually, every age group votes at a lower turnout rate than the age group above them. Mm. So the oldest Americans have a really, for, for us, for the U.S., a really high turnout rate of over 70%. And then you go down and the youngest voters in 2016 only had a turnout rate of 46%. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just really low. That's yeah. 64% of that age group who are leaving their votes on the table. But I didn't ever feel like it was apathy. Most young people that you talk to care a whole lot about their education or student loans or um, climate change, or especially for you know much younger the youngest voters, 18, who still may be in high school or college, gun safety in schools. These are big issues for young people and they care about them. So it's not that they don't worry about what's going on in the world around them. It's that we do a really bad job of teaching the mechanics of voting. Mm. And if you're lucky enough that your parents taught you to vote or you learned, you know, you had a high school government or civics teacher that did or a college organization or friend that's wonderful, but there are a lot of people for whom that just doesn't happen. And so my huge takeaway was that for those of us who have the privilege of it being pretty easy for us to vote and we were taught how to do it, we really need to do a better job of sharing the mechanics that you have to register, that you may need an ID in certain states, that um, you know you have to check early and often where your polling place is that you may need to vote by mail in some cases. Mm -hmm. So we just, we don't do a good job of teaching the mechanics. And I think that there are a lot of people doing a lot of work to make that better. But that was, it was truly my biggest takeaway. And then just some, there are people who feel like their vote just doesn't count. You know, again, the better we can articulate that both as the news media, media doing a better job and then just us as humans walking around in this world talking about voting as more of a thing that should be a regular part of your life, um, I think we can make a big difference. It's this, a thing that we need to both as a country make easier and more convenient and as citizens make sure we're teaching everyone how to do it. Yeah. And what I think is so cool about the year 2020 and and living in such a social media driven age is a lot of that education can now come online. There are so many um, great get out the vote movements that educate about registering to vote, educate about how to fill out your ballot, educate about, you know, how often elections are. I'm thinking back to when I was even in high school and I don't, I don't think we talked about like the mechanics of voting. I think I was lucky enough to grow up in a home where my, both my parents voted. So did my grandparents and it sort of has become like a family affair to go to go out and vote together. And if you don't have that, or if it's not taught in school, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that education is, is that missing piece. And if we can educate ourselves about voting and how to vote and how often and everything in between, I, I think you're right. I think turnout would, would shift in an upward direction for sure. Yeah. There's, and also businesses can take, can play their part. Uh, mm-hmm. Companies already in 2020 and kind of starting in 2016 and then really built in 2018 and even more in 2020 are doing their part to educate their employees and then their customers and fans if they have one. I think that can be a big shift. And then the other thing is understanding that voting isn't easy for everybody, Mm -hmm. that there are hurdles, that lines are way longer in certain places than they should be. Um, So it's both education and then being really honest about the issues that we do have and wanting to fix them. I mean, I, I really am a big believer that access to the polls isn't a partisan issue. Everyone should be able to vote conveniently. It should yeah. never take four hours to vote. Never. No. Um, so I think really trying to take the politics out of it and just thinking, okay, do we as a country 
want everyone who is eligible to vote to vote? And that answer should certainly be yes. Mm -hmm. And then figure out how to do better with it. Yeah. I think you brought up a really good point. Part of the education, I think, is learning and understanding uh, the aspects of voter suppression and really how widespread it is in different in different states, but also in different communities, demographic communities within those states and the reason why. Um, I always think about our vote as being our voice. And it's it's such a fundamental right to be able to exercise our vote and exercise our, our voice. Um, but when you're waiting in a line for over four hours, some people are going to leave and then their voice is not counted. And so there are so many issues sort of within that that need to be addressed. And I'm hoping the same way you are, that the more that we educate ourselves about the mechanics of voter suppression and also then what we can do, um, I hope that it makes a change. I hope there's a shift. I think about um, Stacey Abrams and uh, when she was running for governor and then this new documentary she just came out with and there's so much to learn. There's so much to to unpack within that too. There really is. And it's also that voter suppression in our current world, it's not so easy to see. In history, we had laws that kept certain people from voting full stop. Mm -hmm. But now the laws that make it harder to vote aren't done on election day. They're done in the in-between times when fewer people are paying attention. And especially if you are a person who wasn't taught to vote, if you're also a person who has to jump through a lot more hurdles to vote, then it's going to make it less likely that you vote. And, you know, especially if you're waiting in a four hour line, as you said, and someone leaves, we really have to do better of recognizing that's not them giving up. That's someone who has to get back to their job or to their child or to any of the other millions of responsibilities we all have. You know, it's why people who fight voter suppression really push for all of these more convenient voter access, longer early voting periods, automatic voter registration, same day registration. A lot of states you can register on the same day of the election, but some states you have to register 30 full days before. Um, Those things make big differences. And so Mm -hmm. to me, it's just so much about being aware. And if you see a new voting law in your state, or if your polling place has closed, it's just important to sort of take time and reflect why that might be and to make sure that the reasons that that's happening are good ones and that even if they, it's happening for a good reason that it's not hurting too many people right but uh, the good news is is that there are very smart people who do this as their full-time mm-hmm. <laughs> lifelong mission so there are people already keeping an eye on it it's more about supporting those people and and being aware as citizens yeah i think that's a good point too So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about what we can do to help get our friends and our family and our coworkers to the polls on election day, whether that's in person, if it's safe, you know, given the virus, or if we're voting by mail. Through your research, what have you found to be the most influential reason maybe why someone will vote? Do do you play a role like as a friend or a family member in that process? Yes, you play a huge role. Absolutely. What the research really shows, and any voting expert that you talk to says that the most influential person on friends, family, and colleagues mm-hmm. is you. 
Hmm. You reaching out to people who, and I think especially because we're all crunched for time, it's important to put a little thought into it. I've been suggesting that everyone reach out to five people to see if they're registered or need help registering and give a little thought to who that might be in your life that maybe is a a very young first-time voter or maybe has had trouble voting in the past or maybe just as someone that you think might flake. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that is the, you know, it's important to consider all those things. The easiest way to do it is just send them a text or give them a call and say, are you registered? And if not, can I help you? It's definitely not about just telling people to vote. It's about helping people through the process. Yeah. So help them register, send them websites that will help them register easily and then help make a voting plan because there are all these questions to ask of, should I vote in person? Like you're saying, or should I vote Mm -hmm. by mail? Help them walk through that and then make a plan for what day you're going to do it, put it in your calendar and pledge to each other. You're going to vote. It's almost, it really is just like a party invitation. If someone invites Mm -hmm. you to a party, I mean, granted, we're not having a lot of parties these days, even a (laughs) Zoom party. If someone invites you to a party and you say, you tell them that you're going to go, you're just more likely to go. You know, that's just the way human nature works. So if I pledge to you that I'm going to vote and you pledge to me, especially if we check in on the day that we've made our voting plan to vote, um, it's just more likely you'll do it. That's just like, that's the way our minds work and voting is no different. So, Mm. you know, you can make a big impact in your small community of friends, family, and colleagues by just helping people through the process um, and encouraging them to do it. And I also, you know, plan to celebrate somehow, even if it's a Zoom party or, you know, a coffee outside. If you are able to vote on the same day, meet up after and celebrate doing your civic duty. Yeah. Um, Anything that we can do to bring a little fun into the process, um, I think is important. I was going to say, I think bringing that aspect of fun and levity and joy into it, I think is really important. I mean, voting, yes, it's a serious issue. It's, um, there's a lot on the table. There's a lot at stake and your vote matters in determining, you know, the kind of country you want to live in, whether it's on the state or local level or on the federal level. But I do think it can be a fun exercise. It can be a fun practice. I love what you said, like find a way to celebrate because it is a huge deal to be able to vote. Um, You brought up a little bit earlier how there were groups of people, women, people of color who were not allowed to vote in this country. And it's only really within the last 100 years that women were given the right to vote, but really that was only extended primarily to white women. There were still barriers for black women and and people of color. So to vote is a huge deal. And so to celebrate it, I think is so important and celebrate that you showed up and you, you, you know, you did it and you found a plan. And so I love that you said that because I think that's such an important aspect of it too. Yeah, it really is. Anything that can make it joyful and make you feel proud of doing it. That's also, I mean, one of the benefits of reaching out to friends, families, and colleagues and helping them to vote is you feel good about it. It's Mm -hmm. never something that you feel bad about doing. I have um, a really close friend who helped her parents get their registration. She helped her 
babysitter. It was in three different states, but she figured it out and got it done. And she texted me and was like, you know, I feel silly saying this, but I, this feels great. She's like, I, I did it because I felt like it was important. And it has been a boost to my day to have taken care of this. And I mean, who couldn't use a boost these days? You had mentioned a little bit earlier about a voting plan. And I know in your book, you have uh, different checklists uh, to use leading up to the election, but are there any tools or resources or even that checklist maybe uh, that you recommend people lean on or use to make sure that they they vote and they have you know a plan to vote. What what does your uh, voting plan look like? Well, my voting I do have it set. Um, this is the first presidential election that we in New York can can vote early. New York has some pretty slow moving voting laws. We're considered a really progressive state, but our voting laws um, are outdated. They're getting getting much better. And one of those things includes early voting. So I am going to vote early in person on the first day I can do it. I'm ready to get in there and and send that ballot. But making a voting plan is it's really important and it's pretty simple. I do in the in the book, the checklist, which actually has something to do today, but that was at 40 days out, 30 days, um, mm. and so on. And so we're at the 40 day mark, which is mm-hmm. uh, kind of exciting. You know, finding out early what's on your ballot. So there are places like Ballotpedia, there's vote411.org. You, those places will tell you exactly what's on your specific ballot, which is very important to find out. And I think looking into that early is important because mm-hmm. it will help you both think through what all you're going to vote for. And then as you monitor the news um, going forward, you'll also you know have an ear out for those races that you aren't weren't necessarily focusing on. Like district attorney may not be a race that's always at the top of your mm-hmm. mind. Although these days it kind of should be, but you know, there are races that are judicial races, for instance, we all kind of struggle with, with following those because they just get less press. So knowing what's on your ballot will enable you to both keep an eye out and visit the candidates' websites and just kind of start wrapping your mind around those races that you don't already know how you're going to vote, start formulating those plans. But as for a specific plan this year, you need to decide if you're going to vote hopefully either in person early or vote by mail because we're trying to really keep crowds um, Mm -hmm. as less as possible on election day. I do want to state fully and clearly because I think it's been lost a little in all the news is if election day is the best day for you to vote, show up then and vote. Absolutely Mm -hmm. vote on election day. But if you have flexibility, consider those options. So, you know, the main steps in the voting plans to keep it really simple are to find out what your options are for voting in your state and area, um, what times the polls are going to be open. And then if you choose vote by mail, learn if you need to request a ballot or if they're sending one to you. Um, Some states you still aren't eligible to vote by mail just for any reason. So that's, that's only about six states right now, but keep that in mind. And then once you decide how you're going to do it, truly just mark it down in your iPhone calendar and set an alert. That's the most important Mm -hmm. thing is setting out how and when you're going to vote and then following through. You know, I truly recommend even thinking through time of day, especially if you, you know, right now are a parent with our school schedules all over the place. It might actually be important to really block that time so you can plan um, well in advance. Where most people I think are 
working from home still. Maybe that's not true throughout the country, but here in New York, mm-hmm. we're still, yeah. we're still at home. Um, so block out a meeting time. You know, if you're going to vote at 11 a.m., early vote 11 a.m. on October 27th, block that out in your calendar as you're just unavailable. You know, try to keep it really open and make it easiest on yourself to do yeah. it. Um, so that's, it's just, it's like planning anything else, figure out how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, and then really stick to that. Consider it like the most important workout that you can ever do. Yeah, totally. And I would say too, you know, check to see what your employer's policy is when it comes to voting. I know at my workplace, they recently uh, shared with us their voting policy, both on the day, on election day, but also leading up to it. So I would say- you know, if that's applicable to anybody that's listening, check in on that too, because I think that will be so helpful to know and maybe take a little less of the pressure off of, am I going to miss work? Yeah. And how is that going to be um, yeah. removing as many obstacles as possible? I think is really so important. important point. Yeah. And if you want extra points, when you ask your employer, if they have any plans, if they don't, offer to be the point person in the office who sends out information about registering to vote and Mm -hmm. what your local deadlines are. That's a really, really easy way to make a big difference. Um, and if you are a leader in your office, um, you know, letting your employees know that you plan to vote and that you feel it's an important part of participating in society that goes a long way. I mean, all of these businesses who are successful in, um, really encouraging their employees to vote. Many of them say it's by setting the tone at the top. Yeah, that's so important too. I'm curious throughout your research and your time preparing the book and for the book and writing the book, what has been maybe the most powerful thing that you found or, or even the most surprising either about voting or uh, voter turnout or, or engagement or, or, or anything in general that's been the most most powerful find for you? You know, I really enjoyed learning about the suffrage movement in full because mm-hmm. before I researched this, I had an idea of, okay, women worked really hard to get the 19th Amendment passed and give it, you know, women nationwide wide the right to vote. Um, that, of course, you know, as you noted, the 19th Amendment really acknowledge all women's right to vote, but that didn't mean that Mm -hmm. black women and other women of color were immediately able to use it in all parts of the country. Um, So that's an important asterisk for that date. But just in learning about the suffrage fight, I was so impressed by the tenacity and the forward thinking of all of the women of the movement. And it, you know, it lasted 70 years it was a long time. It was multiple generations of women and just how they built on the work of those before them were willing to change course when necessary. You know, it went from conventions with speakers that were organized in there. And then it went to traveling the country to spread the word. And Mm -hmm. then it went to testifying in front of Congress and then the huge suffrage parades, which you know, there were really suffrage protests. I don't know where along the way that we changed them to parades, but they were marching down the streets with sign demanding change in the law. So that is by definition a protest. And then really lobbying Congress people. And, you know, when they got close to the vote, but were several votes shy in the Senate, they targeted those senators who voted no, lobbied against them and flipped enough seats to get the yes vote the next time. I just found all of their creativity and just tenacity really inspiring. And 
you know, they would have been social media stars, the women that oh, led this sure. movement. They yeah. were so creative. They um, wrote beautifully. They found ways to get attention. You know, they they knew, especially later in the movement, that they had to make a lot of noise for people to notice what was going on. Mm-hmm. And they weren't afraid to do that. You know, they stood up directly to the president, President Wilson at the time, um, demanding he do better. It was just, it was nice to learn about that movement. And it also, one of the things that has been lost in most of our at least, you know, mainstream history discussion was the contributions of women of color and to, you know, a, a not fun part of the research is learning about the racism and the movement and how yeah. that persisted. But at the same time, it allowed me to better understand the movement as a whole, that everything is complicated, but also to learn about the women of color, specifically black women that made a huge difference in that movement. I took a lot of joy in better understanding Mm -hmm. that. So it was fun. And also, you know, just really fun things that elections used to be held in taverns. I mean, that wasn't great because it wasn't a time when women <laughs> voted. You know, that was one of the one of the reasons that they gave yeah. to keep them out. But um, that oh election gosh. days just had a big, fun, raucous atmosphere. Sometimes it went wrong, as happens when people are having too much to drink and voting. Right. You know, that was interesting. The fact that now, though, transferring that idea to there's research that shows that if communities have election day parties. Again, that's a thing that's had to put a halt a little bit on 2020, which is too bad because it was a a really growing movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, having family friendly parties near election sites where you just have music or pizza or whatever feels great for your community can really make a difference in turnout. I think things like that are um, fun and exciting. I loved looking at the different voting stickers for every state. That was very fun. You know, Alaska in 2018 for early voting had, you know, animals doing Alaska-ish things like, <laughs> like you know, riding a snowmobile or whatever. That's it was so very, cool. they were very cute and funny. Um, so stuff like that, there's, there is parts of our voting history are extremely difficult. And then learning about just kind of the ways people try to make it fun yeah. and what works to get people out to vote was sort of endlessly amusing as to just how our our minds work. We're very predictable as humans, it turns out. Yeah. Um, So that was great too. It was fun. I tried to get, I tried to hit all of those, include the really fun things in the book and then, you know, be honest about what we need to understand about our history and current struggles too. Yeah. All, all, All has to be in there. Yeah, well, I think you've done a great job of doing that in your book. It's such a, I think, well-rounded exploration of not only why we need to vote, the importance of voting, roadblocks that have stood in the way of voting, why people don't vote, and then also a great understanding of our history of voting. And I think at the end of the day, your, your book and your message is not only educational, but I think provides hope for people who maybe aren't feeling that hope right now. And my biggest takeaway from this conversation is that we all really have an influence in making sure that our friends and our family, coworkers, et cetera, show up to the polls in a safe way, given COVID um, on election day. So Aaron, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and sharing um, all of this great information. I think um, this conversation is really timely and I'm, I'm really excited to share it. Uh, where where can everybody find you, connect with you in the book, uh, check it out and learn more? Sure. Um, you can find me 
way too much on Twitter. I'm at Aaron <laughs> underscore GS there. Um, I am on Instagram at thank you for voting. And the book is available anywhere that you buy your books. And I always suggest um, supporting your local bookstore. So you can find it there or, you know, or online via bookshop.org. Probably the easiest way if you really have a direct question is to DM me on thank you for voting. I try to stay on top of those because I'm happy to answer questions. There's, there's a lot out there really raising the tension. And I hope if we can keep calm and focused on our part of making sure we show up, that that'll get us a long way to a safe and productive election. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to include all of your information in the show notes. So it'll be so easy for people Great, to thanks. connect with you and find the book. And I love this offer about answering any questions because like we've shared, there are so many questions, um, but there are also really good answers out there that are evolving. And I think um, being engaged in that way is so important. So thank you so much again. This was so, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we did this. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.